With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. After some early scares, the Reds picked up their first home win of the season last weekend, defeating a high-pressing Bournemouth side 3-1, courtesy of goals from Luis Diaz, Mo Salah and Diego Jota. With McAllister's nonsensical red card now overturned, Klopp's side turned their attention to Sunday's game as they take on a Newcastle side boasting a squad depth fans haven't known for years, in what's sure to be a hostile St. James's Park. Joining me in the pod to lend us his insight into the progress Newcastle are making under Eddie Howe, new signings and expectations for the season, we welcome back football writer and host of the Man on the Post Post podcast, Dave Black. Welcome back, David. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here again. Yeah, it's back. It's back again. I mean, it's it's my my, my third podcast of the season so far when it comes to these rival recon shows here uh, on Anfield Index Pro, but... Uh, yeah, still, still settling in. I think for me, still settling in. Mm. It, it is truly back. I think maybe it's the the darned like, sort of transfer window. I need it to be closed for me to sort of properly <laughs> be able to focus on things and for uh, for the internet to lose its obsession with with transfers. Although that's probably sort of wishful wishful thinking. <laughs> let's be honest. But uh, talking about Newcastle on on this podcast, of course, and we've had some interesting discussions in the past about the development of the club. Uh, since the takeover, um, since Eddie Howe arrived in the in, in the dugout, and uh, we spoke last before um, Liverpool's last away trip to to Newcastle, where they ended up winning the game as sort of a strange one with uh, Pope being sent off right before that cup final, um, which obviously threw up a, a number of questions. And I remember on the day Darwin being particularly effective for a, for a period of time and sc- scoring a pretty good goal. Uh, Liverpool going to go back up there this weekend, and I'm. I'm expecting uh, you know, a, a tougher contest. I'm not expecting Nick Pope to get himself sent off this time. Uh, uh, and I'm expecting a, yeah, a fiercely competitive game, really. Uh, but I want to start at the end of last season, of course, with, I think, you know, Liverpool were in a push to try and make uh, one, one of those top four, pedi- um, top four positions. Didn't ultimately achieve that because of sort of the poor form throughout the uh, middle part of the season. Newcastle did finish in fourth place. Uh, securing Champions League for, uh, football. Um, I want to just get your opinion on sort of like, what your reaction was to, to last season's conclusion uh, and sort of almost, I suppose, just how far ahead of where you thought the club um, 
uh, were like by the time that sort of fourth place finish was a uh, was a reality. Yeah, as you alluded to there, I think we're massively ahead of schedule for where um, we thought we'd be. I mean, we, we kind of knew things would get better um, with the takeover, of course, but uh, it was uh, you know 19th when Eddie Howe took over um, to get to mid-table that season, and to go from there to, to fourth um, was unexpected um very welcome but uh wasn't expected it was well above what even the most optimistic of fans would have expected to happen uh obviously it helped that as you say liverpool weren't uh at their best last season same with chelsea same with tottenham and we took full advantage of that really um but played well ourselves don't get me wrong you know it wasn't, wasn't an undeserved position but um we saw towards the end of the season you know when these bigger clubs get up ahead of steam um you know, we had, we had us very worried for the last few few weeks of the season. Um, we were pretty fortunate to, to get over the line, I think, towards the end where we were starting to run out of legs a little bit at times and uh, Liverpool were coming on very strong until I think it was, uh, was it Villa you drew with just towards the end there. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're massively ahead of where, where I thought we'd be. Mm. Um, it's nice. <laughs> um, uh, looking forward to being in the Champions League again. Um, my worry is, you know, how long can we stay here for? Um, okay. There's a lot of, as I said, teams who can and probably will perform better, so whether we can maintain our standards, which, to be fair, have been fairly exemplary since I walked in. You know, say we've had a very good 18 months, um, come up with two years. Um, so there's no reason why we should get any worse, but uh, a dip was bound to come at some point. Yeah, I think one thing that was interesting about last season was you know, in the past, we've seen uh, clubs uh, getting taken over and there being a cash injection into the club to to bring in a whole host of players. Uh, maybe a big name manager comes in. There's a, a attempt at a revolution, if you will, and that sometimes doesn't work, sometimes has sort of disastrous results, sometimes does work. Uh, it usually takes a bit of time to get going. As you said, this has been uh, like sort of, quicker than sort of most fans had anticipated and one thing that i think people pointed out last season was the fact that yes there'd been you know a cash injection in terms of sort of uh you know rebuilding some of the infrastructure of the club and actually securing uh, a number of players to to come into the club but it wasn't sort of a wholesale revolution last season and i think one thing that was really made a um, people made note of was the fact that eddie howe a manager traditionally associated with you know, pressing or you know, counter-attacking or definitely more attacking football uh, his previous um, successes at Bournemouth had really built a solid defensive unit with this Newcastle side and that's really where your success was or what your success was built upon ultimately I think the, the reason why you secured uh, that top four finish just wanted your opinion on sort of how he's gone about things yeah, we've spoken about sort of him doing it in a uh, supposedly a, a little bit of a roundabout way about how he's approached it. I'm not sure many people expected him to approach it this way, um, but he seems to have developed as a coach. And yeah, just want, wondered about your your thoughts about how how he managed the season. Uh, yeah, well, like you, I didn't really expect this to be um, trouble in the sort of best defense of the league kind of awards that we were getting towards towards the end of the season and. Uh, as you said, at Bournemouth, how those teams were sort of we'll score more than you kind of mentalities, but um, we've defended so well. I mean, it helps having, you know, obviously, um, Sam Botman came in, who's incredible for his age, especially. Um, I think there have been comparisons made to Van Dyke, which I totally get. Um, 
very composed football on the ball, great positioning, um, and could feasibly be in our mm. defence for 10 years. It's, you know, that's a good thing about the way we're recruiting is that the generally younger players who uh, are, very, mm. are very good now and will only get better. Um, so obviously he's been uh, probably the standout from uh, from the back four with Trippier. His contribution's probably been more notable for going forwards. Obviously, you know, set pieces have been a great help, but he's also a leader. Um, and probably quite cliche and something that you're probably quite used to with Liverpool, but we haven't had a lot of um, what you call sort of like winners, if you like. And he's got that mentality of, you know, he's, he's first in the training. He's, he's, you know, he plays every every friendly, turns up to every every event because he's the captain. He's proud to be the captain. And it's uh, I think his mentality rubs off on all of those around him. Um, so those two have obviously helped a great deal. Nick Pope, um, for all his indiscretion last season against yourselves, um, top tier in terms of doesn't make many mistakes leading to goals. Um, all right, he's maybe not the best with his feet, but he doesn't have to be. All he has to do is pass it five yards to, to Botman or, or Cher or, or Trippy or whoever's at the back there. We've got a lot of ball players at the back, which obviously helps a great deal. Um, so that's that's the foundation. Is that we've fundamentally got good, good players in, in, in the right positions now. Um, and the way we generally set up was with Burns and left back, then we had Trippier could, could bomb on down the right hand side, and then we had three centre backs ready to deal with any sort of counter attacks, which helped a huge amount. Um, I think when he first came in, we played sort of a, a more normal back four, if you like, with, with target at left back, and that was fine, but it was very easy to, to counter attack against at times. So that was probably the biggest tweak that helped there. Um, but again, it helps when you can keep the ball more. So having better players in front of that defence means you know, we keep the ball more. We're not under as much pressure all the time. So having you know Bruno Gibmarish in there and, and now Tonali and um, the emergence of Joel Linton as a powerhouse midfielder, which again, no one saw that coming under mm. under Steve Bruce. But um, it's just another tweak that Howe's made that's made us a better team. So um, front to back, really, we're, uh, we're in great shape. And uh, again, as you mentioned there, how he likes to press from the front. Um, which also makes a difference because, again, going back two years to Steve Bruce and before that, previous managers, other teams would have the ball and be allowed to have the ball for a lot of a lot of the time against us, and it obviously puts you into more pressure and wears you down. Whereas now, teams don't get in, get a minute; like they get harassed from in the first few seconds. And uh, you, you, know, you saw like the, the Tottenham game last season was probably the hmm. the, uh, the epitome of it, where we press them from the off. If they're not up for it, they will get bulldozed, and they really weren't up for it, and end no, up being final down after 20 <laughs> minutes. So, so that's the that's kind of the standards we set, and it's. Um... Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection, from our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy, by searching for Anfield Index. It's, it's great to see. Uh, I say it's unheard of, a new territory for us, really, um, over the recent history, but uh, long may it continue. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's been it's been, it's been really interesting, certainly in terms of the the key players that have emerged. Really, I mean, sort of the resurgence of Almiron uh, as a figure in the side, who very influential at times, and as you mentioned, Joe Linton. Uh, powerhouse midfielder still a phrase that is a surprising one to to <laughs> to say to be honest uh, given that you know, he was obviously brought in for big money uh, didn't look like he f- could finish for his life and then but just the, the pressing the tenacity that he showed in midfield I, mean, I, th- I thought it was excellent in both encounters against against Liverpool um, another one that stood out to me as a sort of really clever signing you could just see the talent um, sort of exuding from him is uh, Alexander Isak and I think they expect big things from him this this season as well but you, you mentioned some key figures there about you know, obviously Gamerish and we'll talk about some of the other new signings that have come in to accompany them um, Trippier and, and his captaincy and just how important um, yeah he's well the way in which he's treated it to be honest um, at times and I think sort of the the professionalism that he's he, he's brought to the side has been very clear to to see at the end of last season then we, we, if you've, you're way ahead of schedule you finish top four Champions League football is coming back uh, you know, Newcastle are going to be competing against Europe's best Newcastle are amongst Europe's best now uh, where did you look at the side and think okay these are the areas where we need to improve what were the positions that you think okay if this is going to take that next step uh, we're going to have to improve these areas um, I thought it was important to add depth and we've still got um, a lot of players who are with us in the championship who um, perhaps have longer contracts and have been hard to shift on so um, that's it's not a problem per se because they're, they're a key part of the group but there's a, there's a limit to what they can achieve so for example you know, Matt Ritchie Paul Dummett um, those two have been kept around they've been at the club a long time and I'm sure they're, they're good figures around the place but they're not going to influence many games Um it's not that they're there to I don't know well I don't know what you call it keep morale up or um, to help out with the team spirit have some experienced heads around which is all fine but um, you really need sort of 22 players who are who are ready to go on a, on a match day because playing twice a week um, as you found out it seems to be every other season um, you, can, you can get injuries and injuries seem to breed more injuries for whatever reason so um, it's good to have some depth in there and then I'm pleased we've added, you know, Harvey Barnes has come in alongside Anthony Gordon from, from last uh, last January, and that means we've got more or less two players every position now. I think possibly one shy, um, maybe in a forward area, but we've got enough to get by. Um, I was really, really pleased to get Tenali in. Um, obviously, very highly rated in Italy, but again, the right age, the right profile for for what we want to do in a longer term. Um, centre midfield, we were. A little bit short. Um, we let John Joe Shelby go last January, which is no bad thing, but we didn't really replace him, so it was obviously an area we needed to go and fill straight away. Um, and we didn't just fill it; we bought, you know, potentially a world-class player. Um, and I say it potentially because I've no doubt he will get there, but I think we need to be patient with him. He's still young, and he's coming to a new league, and um, I just don't want people to expect the world from him straight away because. It's not always that easy to move to a new league, but so far the signs are pretty good. So um, he was a great one to get in quite early on in the, in the summer window as well. So he's had a full pre-season, which again makes a big difference for our style of play because you need to be, I think Anthony Gordon for this in January, you need to be Newcastle fit because the way how players, you need to be on the front foot, you need to be able to press, you need to be able to run for you know, 60, 75 minutes and empty the tank and then they'll replace you with someone else and that's that's fine, but... Um, you've got to be 
you've got to be ready to do it or else you'll uh, just be on the fringes for a bit so um centre mid was, was probably the main area where I wanted to see us improvement and we have um the options we've got in there now in you know Bruno Tonali um Joel Linton uh, Willock once he's fit um Sean Longstaff who had a great season last year no one really saw him getting back to the height he was at when you know Man United were calling for him for a few years ago um, but even youngsters like Elliot Anderson and, and Lewis Miley are uh, coming through and they've, they've had a lot of minutes in pre-season and towards the end of last season and um, both look like they could fit in tomorrow if needs be so a lot of strength and depth in there for what's a pretty important area of the field so very happy with that mm, No, I think you're right when it comes to sort of managing the um, the new schedule of you know, eventually getting to two games a week with the, with the Champions League fixtures and needing to play strong teams in both competitions to you know, to try and compete in those. I think it's, yeah, depth is absolutely crucial. I think that's one of the things Liverpool fans are still looking at our squad and going, well, you know, six have gone, like three have come in. I think then mm-hmm. happens needs to be just just bodies. I mean, this is just this is the thing. At this stage, you, you look at it and go, well, somebody who can run 14K, uh, that's that's, you know, that's that's great if, if they can do that. Um, like a James Milner, some sort of younger version of James Milner that we can find out there in the market who can, who, who can run that much, perhaps a little bit faster than the last version of James Milner that we, we let go. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, depth is a, is a key factor. And you mentioned Tonali. Is it sort of hard to not bring him up? Um, a high profile signing, obviously a high profile player for AC Milan. Uh, there are a number of names that were bandied about about Newcastle being interested in sort of central midfield and um, Tonali being the ultimately being the one that that comes in. Um, couldn't have dreamed for a more you know sort of perfect debut for him and to, sort of him getting that goal in front of the crowd. Uh, I mean, what if I mean again very limited, but what have you what have you um, made of him so far in uh, in the limited amount you've got to see? Uh, I like him. Uh, it's not hard to see; he's a good player, but he's um, very quick to see a pass, which um, hmm. is obviously a vital component for any midfielder playing at the top level. So, even some of the little passes he plays, not necessarily you know like assists or anything like that, but just the way he transitions the ball through midfield is very, very fast and very fluid, and it helps us uh, get our you know our, our wingers or, or Isaac or whoever like further up the field on the ball, which is um, a big big thing for us so that's helped a lot because um, one thing that's often leveled isn't it at, like I mean Italian signing sometimes I think one thing I definitely saw that was um, sort of leveled at Tonali is will he be you know fast enough in terms of I don't, I don't mean just physically fast enough but like that speed of thought at times to actually adapt to the Premier League very often when I hear that and it's about a technically gifted midfielder. I think it's it's usually nonsense because technically gifted midfielders are, are are able to give themselves plenty of time on the ball. They don't have to be the quickest. Uh, I think as um, Plenty saw with um, with Thiago when he signed. But like you've not had any concerns about that. I know again very early days, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's always that kind of thought you back the mind. You know, there's plenty of good players coming Italy over the years who haven't been able to adapt for whatever reason. Um, but I think. Serie A currently is probably as close to the Premier League as there has been in terms of tempo and things like that. It's, it's not the 90s anymore. They, they don't have 10 behind the ball and exactly. play for 1-0 anymore. It's grossly different, which is, you know, it's, it's much better watch as a neutral as well, which is which is great. So um, I was pleased that he was able to come in and get score that goal after, in whatever it was, 10 minutes. Um, I think for any new player coming in to get a goal that early on in a debut lays the groundwork for, for a good time. Um there was a lot of nonsense about him looking miserable in every photo and he didn't really want to be here but 
I think that's just the Italian hunt, to be honest. There's plenty of photos <laughs> out there looking exactly the same. He didn't seem to upset when he scored either. So um, I've no doubt um, he'll go on and do good things for us. Um, and I say he's got good, part, good partners in there to uh, to learn from and play with. So I've absolutely no qualms about how he's going to get on um, after a good start. Yeah, of course. And are there players that you looked at last season, even amongst some of the new signings, that you, you're excited to see how they kick on this season in, in terms of who you think are going to be the key figures? I mean, there's the names that obviously jump out at you in terms of Gamerish and you mentioned Isaac and, and um, uh, even Botman, who I thought was incredibly impressive, as you mentioned, in terms of a sort of defensive player that, that age coming into the league. Who do you think are, are going to be the, the pivotal figures for Newcastle going forward this season? Yeah, well, well, and you mentioned a few of the Isaacs. The, <laughs> the key one, really, I mean, what people forget about him is he joined quite late in the, in the, uh, the window last yeah. in the summer window last season. Got a big injury, so he played a couple of games. Was then out for three months until uh, after the World Cup, uh, and he came back. And obviously, he did wonderful things when he when he got back in the team. But um, I'm really excited to see him with, with a full pre-season under his belt. Um, looked razor sharp against Villa. Got a couple of goals. Could have had a few more. Um, didn't really wasn't really in the game against Man City but to be fair we weren't in the game full stop against Man City we couldn't get enough of the ball to, to threaten them but um, against you know 90% of the league he'll be a threat um, he's got everything you, you'd want in, in a modern day striker um, and he played wide left sometimes last season I don't think we'll see that so much now um, it was okay it can work against certain teams maybe if, you, if you're chasing a goal that, that's fine um, but I, I don't think um, we'll see too much of that this year purely because of the number of games we've got um, I think Callum Wilson will play his fair share anyway without having to sort of shoehorn them both in the team so um, really looking forward to see how, how he can do um, hopefully he stays injury free um, Anthony Gordon as well had not the best start for us he just signed in January um, as I said earlier wasn't really what you call Newcastle fit Played sort of sporadically um, in a team that was doing well, but didn't really shine. Um, went away at the Euros in the summer with the M21s. Was player of the tournament. Had a you know, by all accounts, a really, a really stellar tournament. Um, had about three days off and then went over to America for our tour. Um, and it's always just full of confidence, full of beans. Um, he's always going to polarise opinion because I think certain players are. I liked from the off and certain players aren't liked from the off and I don't think he came with the best reputation I think he obviously riles up quite a lot of people when he plays the opposition um, guessing you as a Liverpool fan know that all too well as a, it wouldn't be an Everton boy but um, he has obviously started really well this year um, and I hope for his sake he can he can keep that going because uh, we obviously paid a lot of money for him and I'd like to see him do well um, we've also got you know, Harvey Barnes who's going to play a similar position to him um, but it's just the options we've got now I feel mm. I feel spoiled for choice compared to where we've been where we've had sort of like unknown French winger one versus um, veteran winger who perhaps could be moved on that those were our options in previous years now we've got you know it's Wilson or Isaac or it's Barnes or Gordon or it's you know Almiron or Jacob Murphy or Joe Willock or whoever like just about all of them have got something to offer um, which is which is wonderful for us um, compared to where we were say just two years ago yeah no, I think 
unknown unknown French banger Juan is like is an interesting, <laughs> interesting way to talk about it. But yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're what you're referring to. And I think the the Villa game really displayed that. I think in terms of like obviously getting ahead and um, being well in control of that game and then having the ability to bring the depth off the bench. You know, Wilson's impact, Barnes's impact, um, very clear to see. Uh, again, with two games into the season, so I'm not uh, suggesting you're going to have any sort of big conclusion so far. But um, from like I mean, the two very different games, two very different uh, opponents, uh, the the Villa game. I mean, when I watched it, I I thought it was a a good example of it. Just probably show it to young coaches on how not to play a high line um, mm-hmm. in, in a certain situation. Uh, you know, there, there are situations, even if you've got your philosophy. I appreciate it. Don't do it, uh, especially if you lose your <laughs> your the centre back you've been training it with or drilling it with uh, to to injury. What did you make of that game? And um, we could talk about the Man City game and sort of like the the very unique challenge they pose, of course. But um, has there been any evolution in, in the way in which you, you you see Newcastle looking to approach things this year? The, the way in which Howe's looking to approach it, the shape, uh, the role of certain players that may have been tweaked slightly from last season. Uh, so far, as you say, not, not an awful lot of data to go off, but um, it's been fairly similar uh, to how we played last year. Now, he has signed Lewis Hall this week, who's more of a traditional fullback. So I don't know if we're going to see, um, you know, as I said earlier, maybe revert, reverting back to the standard four at the back with two, two proper fullbacks, if you like, maybe against some weaker opposition at home. I know it's not fair to... Um, underestimate any teams but one of our Achilles here last season was we'd, we'd play teams who would just sit in and we'd, we'd struggle to break them down and we had a few nil-nils against teams who just came and parked the bus and I just wonder if he sees you know playing two traditional fullbacks as one way to, to counteract that um, time will tell as I say we've got nothing to run off so far um, Villa was I was worried going into the game because Villa finished last season like a train like the, you know they came flying through the table with Emery and um, everything was working pretty well for them. It was very not too dissimilar to ourselves, really, the year before. But um, as you said, the, the, the high line didn't work and then continuously didn't work for the last half an hour, yet he kept doing it. Um, and we could have had 10 and they couldn't have complained. Um, it's The thing with the high line, it, it's, it's risk versus reward, isn't it? If it works, it's great. You're up the field. There's, um, the opposition are, are compacted in, they, they can't do anything. Um, without being offside and it's it's obviously very difficult to play against um, when it goes badly against a team like us who as I said earlier were, were very very fit we've got a lot of options on the bench who will come on and also be very very fit um, when it goes badly wrong against against that kind of uh, opposition you're just going to get pummeled um, and we t- kept time and runs in behind and I say it could have been any number really um, so that was very pleasing but kind of in the same way that the Man City game is incomparable don't think many teams will come and play like Villa did. Um, it's not many teams in the league who, who play that high, that sort of high line. Um, so we've kind of had two uh, two one-offs really so far. So it's very difficult to mm. say oh, we're going to play this way or that way. Um, and with I mean, City, I, I mean, you mentioned yeah. obviously sort of like the the pressing is now in Newcastle's DNA. It's a very intense approach. Uh, they're one of the, the 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 best equipped sides in the league when it comes to being able to. As you say, don't they just control the ball so they play around the press and they're very effective at doing it? But we have seen in the past that is the one thing that tends to work against them. It, you know, it can be depressing the harrying of defenders into certain situations, uh, panicking them. They're much better drilled than they used to be, uh, I'll admit. And they've, uh, the, the shape that they currently play is, it's all, all around sort of control and establishing control and maintaining it. 
um, it's very frustrating to deal with, of course. But <laughs> were you surprised that um, Newcastle weren't able to land more of a glove on on them? Or I mean, like, what, what, were there any tweaks that surprised you about how they how they approached the game? I was disappointed because uh, a lot of people said going into it that you know Man City have they've been travelling away and they're a bit bigger than normal and they, to be fair they had very little on the bench and I thought well we've pretty much got our squad here we're high as a kite after last week and we're not going to get a better chance to try and get something at a ground where we traditionally don't get anything at all and uh, as you say to not even really lay a glove on them it was very disappointing but it wasn't as if Man City played badly they just they couldn't give us couldn't give us a sniff really um, Hello I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. What they did well was, I mean, Edison is like having an extra outfield player and they were quite happy to let him have the ball with press and then he'd, he'd ping a 40-yard pass out to Walker, a right back, or um, or you know, he'd play in the midfield and they'd obviously take a bit of a chance, but um, when they're that confident on the ball with that many options, they, they usually get away with it. Um, the one chance we did have, we managed to pressure Rodri into a mistake and for whatever reason, Callum Wilson didn't play in Almiron and uh, just disappeared very quickly, but that was... You know, you've, you've got to be clinical against uh, against Man City, especially away from home. Um, when you've had nothing through the whole game, and to not even really get a shot off of, uh, of any note in that sort of scenario was, was a bit disappointing. But um, the thing is, as well, as, as you know, Pep is always changing how they play. And uh, he played forward and is a, is a more of a number, well, I guess you call it number eight in the, in the modern terms. And he was brilliant. You know, he was everywhere. Um do a couple of that with you know Akanji playing in this inverted left back kind of role, um, Alvarez playing sometimes as a striker, sometimes off the striker. Um, it was very difficult to deal with. Um, and I say, luckily for us, Botman and, and Cher at the back were unbelievable on the night. I thought I say Botman in particular was reading the play really well. Harland didn't have that much of an influence on the game, which is always a kind of bonus these days. But we just couldn't. Who weren't good enough in the middle of the park under under pressure. Um, Bruno, well, I, you know, he's brilliant. He came to us when we were, we were 19th, and he's, I've always said he's he's far better than what we were. Now I think he's probably, you know, he's at a Champions League club now, and that's where he wants to be. But ironically, he's actually not been that great since uh, since the turn of the year. He had, you know, he had the red card. He missed the game with you um, in February. Um, he's he's had reasonable games, but he's been a little bit off it and. Uh, he didn't have a great night on um, on Saturday, but like I say, no one had a great night, so I don't think it's fair to, to, to blame on him. But um, that, that midfield just didn't really work on uh, on Saturday. In you know, very good opposition will just dominate if you're not on your game, and 
those who came on were no better. So I say I'm not uh, not laying the blame on him by any means, but mm. um, that was that was where I think we we lost out really um, when we got the ball. We didn't do enough with it, um, and you know he's normally the man to, to sort that out. So um, that's probably the one disappointment really from from the weekend. And then um, I think this early in the season, I think one thing has been very interesting is. Uh, is always getting sort of opposition fans' opinions on on where they think Liverpool are at because uh, it's, you know, it's nice to get to, to completely objective sort of outside opinion. Uh, although I won't be asking Everton or or United fans uh, for, for for their opinion, um, they've got their own problems to be fair. But in, in terms of um, like your your current perception of this Liverpool side, it'd be really interesting to hear where where you think Liverpool are at because um, you can often get lost in the bubble when you're all, all you're ever doing is talking about your own club. Um, yeah, it's a mention here, sort of where you think they're at, and then we can obviously move on to talk about what we expect from from the game a little bit. I just feel like you're a little bit unfinished at the moment. Um, from the games I've seen so far, I mean, you've been playing sort of Gakpo as a third midfielder, and uh, I just don't think that's him at all. Um, I guess it's is totally out of necessity, really, based on what, what's gone on so far this summer. And I know Endo has now joined, which will probably probably stop that uh, happening for a while but I think you're definitely a midfielder or two short certainly you know I know Curtis Jones was injured at the weekend and as I understand he seems to polarise opinion a little bit amongst your fan base but he's probably to me a better option in there than, than Gakpo who I think should, if he does play would play further forward um, his squad's just a little bit unbalanced for me at the minute um, and I know you've got you know, Trent playing the, the new sort of hybrid role, um, which is very good um, when it comes off, of course, but um, you're a little bit short of depth, um, which at this time of the season isn't a huge deal, but you think as, as time goes on, uh, especially when you start playing Thursday night, it might be interesting to see uh, how you manage that. Um, but when you're in full flow, you know, you've got Salah, Jota, Diaz, who I think's in for a big season. Um, look, he's got you probably know the stats better than me, but he seems to have a good output for you know goals and assists. Doesn't mm. seem to doesn't seem to miss on on those columns very often. So uh, those three plus say Darwin, who um, I'm surprised mm. hasn't been more of a more of a feature given you know his price and new season, new start, and all that, but seems to be fourth or fifth in the pecking order at the minute. But your front your front options are great. I don't think you've got that many options behind that. Um, but I'm sure over the next few weeks that might well are we on now the 20th or something it's not much time left yeah week yeah. to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, I mean it's, 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 it's interesting to hear you say that because I mean um, I think like I said sometimes when you hear opinions from from, from fans of uh, opposition clubs you, know, you can maybe pull up a, a thread that you hadn't considered before or sort of a different perspective as well it's also good every now and then because it, it, it can be a sanity check as well uh, and it means that you aren't paranoid and, and that you are probably thinking the same thing uh, because I think yeah you've, you've largely just mirrored the the talking points that uh, I think Liverpool fans have been going through over the past few months really that yeah this is clearly a new system uh, whenever we actually choose to play it because I think there's there's been a couple of occasions where we've uh, abandoned it already this season in in games, uh, but it's a system that relies upon yeah the right the right puzzle pieces being there, and I don't think they're necessarily all there at the moment. And so I think you're right; it can look, sometimes it can look very messy um, and very undrilled, uh, which is not what you associate with probably the best the best Liverpool sides. Curtis, I, I think you're right. I think w- w- when he's fit, 
Um, you, you imagine he's, you know, he's, he's going to come back into contention. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, for me, one of the frustrating things so far has been, uh, that it feels as though, to your point, you, you would have expected to see more Darwin. It, it feels as though the coaching staff and the manager are aware that they can't quite trust the side defensively at the moment because of the personnel or whatever. Uh, so they're a bit worried about playing, uh, Nunez because he doesn't, he doesn't really press. It's not really his thing. He's, he's been bought to run and to score goals, really. A bit, bit of a battering ram. So I, I do feel for him a little bit because yeah, he must be looking at it going, well, you know, I was bought to do this and you're not really giving me the platform to just focus on that. I'm never going to be a Firmino and drop back and do intelligent link play. That's, that's not really my job. My job is getting on the end of things. So. You hope that that will get addressed and and that will improve that situation. But yeah, I think I think for me it's it's a case of happy with the incomings, um, not entirely satisfied that it's enough and it probably needs to be a couple more really for uh, Liverpool to to have adequate cover. But um, Sobashlai, I can say he's probably going to be the one that gives a lot of uh, fun this season because he looks like somebody that's uh, yeah he's, he fills that number eight shirt I think in a way that I think fans have been uh, hungry for ever since um, Gerard left so let's see how he does but uh, in terms of the game itself um, on the weekend we talked a lot about Newcastle's approach and how they you know, don't like to give teams a uh, moment's rest on the ball uh, we spoke actually ahead of the pod I think it was about how uh, even after Newcastle went down to ten men uh, in in the this this, this this fixture last season, yes, yes, Liverpool were ahead, but I thought really that Newcastle dominated large swathes of that game, even despite being down to ten men, uh, and well, perhaps unlucky not to equalise. To be honest, I, th- I thought it was um, not a great performance on Liverpool, but they, they sort of did things in moments that was enough. Uh, are you approaching this game with? Looking at this Liverpool side, thinking there's nothing to fear here. You know, we can press, we can get these, we can make these guys uncomfortable. Yes, they've got attacking threats, but um, yeah, th- th- there's there's real vulnerabilities there. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, like teams who come and play against us and come out and attack is generally what we like. Um, you know, I think most teams like space to attack into, and we're usually very good on the counter attack. So that side of things, I'm, I'm not that worried about. But having said that, you know, last season it was exactly the same. I thought. Obviously, we were missing Bruno, who was very, very influential for us last season. So I was a little bit sceptical, I think, when I, when we spoke. I probably predicted a draw or something along those lines. But um, you look at the, t- the teams and you think, well, you know, we're probably better than we were last season. Are you better than you were last season? <laughs> Possibly not yet. Um, I don't think you're fully there. As I say, we've got yeah. a few new players to bet in. Um, hopefully it helps your cause that McAllister has had his ban overturned. I was yeah. not gonna not gonna lie, I was kinda of happy that he wasn't gonna be playing, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think those two are upgrades, I think you're right there. I think I think McAllister's an upgrade on on um on, on what we had on the left side of eight and um Sobishlai I think is a gigantic upgrade on, mm-hmm. on where Henderson was by the time he left, to be honest. But yeah, there's still a hole in the middle <laughs> unless uh, yeah. unless Endo's fit. <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, he might come in and play a world. We don't really know, do we? It's, like, it's hard to say um, with players who haven't been in that very long. But um, I've still got the scars from last season. As I say, we started that game like a train. We, we had a great chance early on, which was uh, Almiron had his shot saved. Uh, and then sort of out of nowhere, bang, bang, 2-0. And then the killer punch was obviously goalkeeper being sent off a few minutes later. Um, 
I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48 hour no obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. That could happen again. You know, that's the problem with playing any top side like Liverpool. Got great players. Um doesn't necessarily need a great team performance to, to scupper us. It just needs a minute or a moment or whatever here and there, and that's what we're up against. So um, I'm not particularly worried about, um, you know, Liverpool will turn up and they'll dominate the ball and they'll, they'll beat us 5 or 6 nil, which we say in the past. It's, we're not that kind of team anymore, but um, I don't go into any confidence of saying, yes, we'll, we'll go and we'll, we'll win easily. Um, because it's just you're never sort of safe with that kind of attack and talent around. So um, I think both teams to score is probably a good bet. Um, but it's for this early on in the season. There's just so little sort of to go off. Um, kind of, I kind of wish I was a neutral just be able to sit back and watch it go. Because I think uh, I say I think both teams will, will just go hammer and tongs, which is quite often how this fixture's gone over the years. So I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a good watch, but. I, and even put a prediction on it. Yeah, I think it'll be one of these rare occasions actually where I'm I'm not watching it because I'll be elsewhere uh, during the day. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna there'll be um, there'll be a few anxious glances at the phone. I think throughout <laughs> the ninety minutes because it, it it is one of these fixtures that can has always thrown up interesting interesting matches and uh, yeah, I think. I think, I mean, whenever I say this, it never is, to be honest, but I, in my head, it could be a basketball game a little bit into the both sides, so just sort yeah. of attacking each other, capable of inflicting pain, scoring goals, maybe a high-scoring draw or something like that. I I don't think this Liverpool side is, is, is quite complete yet and able to control games um, on the ball in the way in which they used to be able to do. Um, the press is not quite complete there for them to properly inflict pain on a team for for the entirety of the of the game they, they, they uh, similar to last season's game they, they they appear in moments and like it's almost like it was uh, early on in Klopp's time where Liverpool would like cause chaos from moments and if they hurt you during those moments they could take the game away from you um, but if not they, you can wrestle back and control and I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see the game like in in those sorts of uh, sort of sections uh, to be honest and yeah, similar to you. Perhaps I think one of these games where you would love to be a neutral, to be honest, but it's not going to be that way. But just moving on, I think just the final question before we wrap up is: uh, given how last season ended, and you know, ahead of expectations, Champions League football, fourth place, 
um, the reinforcements that have come in. Uh, you mentioned being a bit, a little bit worried that things would fall off. And, you know, that's, that's always a fear when you when you get somewhere a bit faster than expected. But where do you think fans' expectations are for this season now? Is it is almost a um, is it is it uh, almost a bit of a bad outcome that you, it's, it's never a bad outcome to finish fourth and again in Champions League places? But uh, do you think fans uh, have their heads in the sky now in terms of, sort of how high Newcastle could finish? Well, that's, that's it's never a bad question, thing, is it? Well, it's not. It's, 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 it's nice to actually have a chance of backing up some expectations for once. But um, I mean, last season, fourth in a cup final is that's like the best it's ever going to be for us. Um, at least, you know, that's the best it has been for a very long time. Um, and we saw on Saturday we're probably a few seasons at least away from being able to challenge Man City unless they have some sort of issue where they fall off or some sort of point deduction is actually applied. <laughs> So, you know, we, we realistically we've got to go for the top four again. I'm sure we will. Um, I've seen, not obviously, you know, two games in, I've seen nothing from Man United that makes me think they're going to be a threat this season. No, no, no. Um, same from Chelsea. Um, they are very much in transition. I, I kind of thought they'd, they'd do well this season because of, you know, Pochettino and no Europe and generally had a bit of a clean out, but they look, they look a bit short at the minute, if I'm honest. Um, so, that immediately puts us probably from you know what we've seen certainly the top six clubs still which is great um i think a lot of fans would set for a nice run in europe get out get out of the group stage of the champions league um and and see where we are uh, in the new year i think it's asking a lot of this squad to finish in the top four and have a champions league run and potentially have another cup run in, in one of the two cups um if everyone stays fit it's very achievable but just not certain, especially with the style of play we have, how we're going to manage playing twice a week. Um, and not just like twice a week, the odd Carabao Cup tie here and there. This is like, you know, elite European football twice a week. Um, and as I alluded to at the very start of this, we're about, you know, we've still got Matt Ritchie's and Paul Dummers of this world. And if they're, if they're playing a lot of minutes, um, we will not be hitting those heights, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. Yeah, just a dagger for Paul Dummett there, just as we end the pod. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> as, we, as we end the pod. But um, yeah, thank you, David, for coming on and for you know, for giving us your perspective on on Newcastle, where they're going. Um, yeah, perhaps a, a little bit of apprehension there about how you're going to manage the, the the additional games and the you know I think it's it's always essential that yeah, players for, for teams that end up competing for. For the the top four places in the in in the Premier League, they they've had to have some degree of luck when it comes to fitness of 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 their squad. I think Arsenal actually were one of the sides I pinpointed last season. That despite what people may may say, uh, I think the vast majority of them were there for the vast majority of the of the time, which was I think why they put together such a strong challenge as it was. So yeah, we'll see how things unfold this season. I'm expecting it to be an eventful game on Sunday. I'm not expecting the atmosphere to be muted let's say i think it's going to be uh, a very lively one but um yeah thanks again for coming on really appreciate your your perspective oh no problem at all thanks for having us and uh i wouldn't say good luck but 
good game <laughs> goes well yeah that's, I think that's fair enough and, <laughs> uh, I think yeah I'm looking forward to is, 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 the, is the transfer window closed by the next game who knows I'm, I'm looking forward to not talking about that any any longer hopefully a midfielder comes in you know you know the the gist of things here listeners but um, there will be another uh, podcast um, quite a quick turnaround actually ahead of the uh, Liverpool Aston Villa game which another tricky fixture yes they played that high line Unfortunately, we played it on the first day. They're not going to do it. They're not, probably not going to do that again, uh, based upon what we've seen of Villa since since that. So I'm expecting that to be another tough game. But there'll be a rivalry kind of ahead of that game uh, against Aston Villa. But between now and then, do check out all the other great content on um, Anfield Index Pro. I think the Under Pressure Pod just dropped as well, which is a great insight into some of the tweaks we've seen so far. And yeah, maybe highlighting who can be some of the stars of this season, some of the new stars that uh, have come into the side. So do. Do check all that uh, great content out. But yeah, we'll be back again ahead of that match against Aston Villa. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.